Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Kolb. And on this episode, I just want to call him The Voice. He is a multi-platinum artist who has not only been a very successful solo artist, but he's actually gone into other groups and made them multi-platinum as well. I'm talking about Mr. Johnny Gill. How you doing, Johnny? Man, I was just, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I thought I was just working, trying to collect checks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the interesting thing about you, I'm a little younger than you, but been around the same, we grew up in the same era. Uh-huh. You have literally been doing this your entire life. Yeah. I just told somebody that just recently. I was like, yo, this is all I've ever done all my life. And uh, next year will be 40 years. And it's like, wow, this is all I've ever done. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. You're a teenager in Washington, D.C. And one of your friends, who also is a recording artist, Stacey Lattisaw, says, man, you need to do a demo. Talk a little bit about that moment. Like, so you're 15, 16 years old. Are you singing in church? Where are people hearing this voice? And then talk a little bit about the Stacey Lattisaw connection. You know, Stacey used to have these talent shows at her house, and you had to do something or you had to get out. Well, the only thing I knew how to do was sing. Funny because growing up, we sang in the Glee, like Glee Club together, which was in elementary. And one day she was the one that just uh, volunteered and, told, and said, hey, I was telling the president of the record label about you and they want to hear your voice. And that's when I made that demo tape. But it was not even like I was a kid. As a kid, just had this dream about being an artist and being a star. I just, listen, I thought everybody could sing because I, I sing in church. And, I, you know, you go to any church, you know, you can find singers all day long. So I didn't think it was nothing special what I was right. doing, but it was just that that's just something that I realized that was different when they started telling me going, hey, yo, you got something a little different from everyone. I realized it was different when I got the first check, got paid for singing. I was like, this is all right with me. I like this thing. <laughs> Listen, especially when you were a teenager. So you you do the demo and then you like immediately, immediately get a deal. So what was that moment like when you get this deal? Like, were you shocked? Back then, getting a record deal was huge because that right. meant, never thought anything different besides that meant you were going to be a star. Never thought about, you know, there's a possibility you could fail. It won't work. I had no idea. All I ever knew and thought is when getting a record deal meant, oh, that means I'm going to be rich. I'm going to make money and going to be uh, on TV, I guess. So, And it's so funny because failure was never even a, a possibility or a thought, right. you know, which is crazy because... You know, you realize, <laughs> I didn't realize the first record went out, came out, it was shipped platinum, came back wood. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk, you, you, you put it, the first album out, it didn't really do much. And I didn't know it wasn't successful. I couldn't right. tell you. All I know is I heard myself on the radio. I could only go off of what they were saying, but I didn't know whether it was successful right. or not. And it didn't even matter, nor did it impact me or affect me anyway. I never thought about, wow, this record didn't sell like it's supposed. I had no clue. I'm just going along. Yeah, but you was, the, you was a teenager anyway. So, like, I mean, yeah. if you're a teenager. That's so cool anyway. Like, you got a record on the radio. You got a record deal. Yeah. So yeah. then you and Stacy do Perfect Combination album, which was really America's introduction to you all. Like, you were like a young 
Tammy and Marvin when you come out with that. And then everywhere people are like connecting with you, especially teenagers across the country. What was that moment like? Man, I tell you, it was surreal because I was just living in the moment, in the now of it. But, you know, Stacy was really, she was the it girl, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the fact that I knew her, we grew up in the, you know, together. And then we, you know, eventually started dating. It was just like, I, I listen, before I had a hit, I had a hit. <laughs> I was yeah. the man. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was just funny because, you know, you're just living in the moment. And, and, and I, hearing the record do so well, but then you, you move to the next album, which they decided to do a whole duet album with her. And that actually began to start the ball rolling, actually, uh, uh, I believe, for my, for my career. So it was unique and it was special. And shoot, I'll never forget the process of it. <clears throat> well, you know, the other thing that was interesting about you is that you were so lucky, man. You on every project, you had really good producers. Like from the beginning, you had Freddie Perrin, who was like, I mean, in yeah, the 70s I, and 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you had Nardo Michael Walden on the Perfect Combination, right? Yep. Then you get Half Crazy, which comes out, right? That's that yeah, song. That yeah. Who worked with Tom Bell and all of them, that whole crew. Yeah. yeah. Like most artists have a horror story about producers that they work with, but you happen to work with some really great people. So it set up some really good habits for you, I would bet, as you moved along in your career. I was so well protected all the way around between God bless Henry Allen, who everyone used to say, you know, Henry was a tough, tough, tough cookie, but they said, whatever it is about you, he freaking loves and he looks after you. And then I had people like my manager, Bill Underwood, who was, you know, the King King. And he was, you know, it was like, I had all of this, these people that were surrounded around me that looked out for me and, and was very protective, very protective. So yeah, I was very fortunate and that, you know, learning so much because they were teaching me as we went along. Uh, my mom wanted to be a part of the business to, because she was just afraid about and knowing about the business and what it can do. And she just wanted to protect her son. And I had to have that conversation with her to step out and let me allow me to do what I needed to do and be. And I've always to this day have done what I've done to try to make her proud and never and to leave home with the good name and bring it back the way I left. So then it's like you had some success in the 80s but between you and Stacy and then as a solo artist and then Michael Bivens comes to you and says hey man Bobby just left New Edition you knew who New Edition was you saw what they were doing across the country and you were asked to join that group what was that moment like for you in your career to 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 a you used to being by yourself now b you going into this massive group that has a huge footprint across the world we crossed paths throughout that process. And the craziest thing is how ironic we all started at the same time. And it's yeah. crazy because that wasn't exactly how it happened. I ran into Michael and uh, Hiram, and I think it might have been Ricky, at the uh, Whispers concert. And I remember Michael asking me some questions about, do I feel like I've ever got my just due as a singer? And he was a huge fan. I didn't even know that until he told me that years ago, that he was like, man, I was a huge fan. And it clicked and dawned on them because Ralph was trying to do a solo album. Right. And they were afraid that once Ralph went solo, he was not coming back because they was already having issues, internal issues as, as a group. And so Michael's thought process was, we got to think quick, wait a minute. So we need some security in case Ralph decide to go and not come back. We need to be able to keep going 
and he was saying that the sound was now getting to a point where our art, the audience was growing and he wanted, they wanted a little more mature sound and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's what happened when it came to the point where he thought, man, this might be the ideal thing. Can you cross step? I'll never forget when he asked me some questions because it wasn't even about Bobby. At that point, they were just telling me that they wanted to go back to a five-member group because the choreography looks more effective. So I didn't know all the internal issues that was going on in the group. Right. I just knew that when they was asking me about doing it, I'm just going, really? Huh? I talked to so many of my close friends to go, I don't know. Well, maybe I could sit down on a stool and sing while they do the dancing because right, I right. left feet. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that was a, it's a workout with New Edition. So then you so, go to yeah. Minneapolis, you go to Minneapolis, and then you get to sit down with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who was just like massive success with Janet Jackson amongst everything else. Again, you luck into working with these great producers. Yeah, and you do the Any Heartbreak album. So talk a little bit about the recording of that album. What was that like? Wow, that was an incredible experience. Just first of all, being in the presence of Jimmy and Terry, uh, who were absolutely revered and still to this day and having that opportunity to come in and not knowing the internal issues that was going on ralph didn't know that i was a part of the group jimmy and terry didn't know because they started the album before i came in the group and then they left went took a break and was coming back so when we got when they left uh minneapolis with four members and came back with a fifth jimmy and terry was looking going uh okay so uh, uh what's going on here now <laughs> So then you record, you got these memorable moments on the album because your voice is just so, it just, your voice stands out. I, don't, I mean, you could just be, you could be humming and your voice is going to stand out. Most importantly, I got to tell you, man, one of my all-time favorite songs, like top 10 songs that I just love is Boys to Men from New Edition. Wow. And brother. <laughs> did, did you, on that record, <laughs> that, was, that was a movie, the way you sung that song. Did Terry ever tell you what happened about that song? Oh my God. (laughs) So, okay, so check it out. So I'm sitting there. I'm there all the time. Uh, Terry told me after we had this meeting in the big blow up, he's like, listen, there's a possibility you won't be doing any leading on the album, blah, 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 blah. I didn't even blink. I said, okay, whatever it is that you guys need me to do, I'm here. That's what I'm here to do as a team player. And so, we going through some of the stuff. A lot of the songs I would do ad libs and stuff on it. Then some of the guys would come in and then they would do the cop the ad libs for the songs. So I'm thinking, okay, that's my role, I guess. I don't know. So then finally they got ready to do a song and then they was gonna do for me to sing. And I'm listening to the song. I said, This is some political bullshit. That's <laughs> what I said to that. I just said, Hey, y'all all these great songs and y'all gonna give me this? So I took it personal. I thought, oh, they just trying to just throw me a bone and they ain't going to even give me like a Can You Stay in the Rain or one of those other ones which I wanted to do. And I'm thinking, right. why can't I just do the whole full thing on it? So I said, okay. I sang that song Mad as Hell and I sing it with Vengeance. I saw, I, I, singing, I hear it. I hear it. I, was, I said, you know what? Oh, y'all just giving me some bull. And I said, so I said, I don't give a jack what y'all give me. I said, I just went in there and I said, I'm a... I just destroyed it. I just destroyed it. I I remember singing the opening line, and the next thing you know, I look, I saw one, two, three heads, and they're looking, and everybody's looking. And they, then the next thing you know, I got the whole studio full of everybody in here, and I just went down to track several times, and just kept going down the track and singing different stuff, and they all left out of there. Everybody was looking, going, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> 
brother, that just the way you sung that song. I mean, it's to me, it's a timeless record. I also say on the any heartbreak, your part on that song, like uh-huh. it was like you moved everybody out the way, and it was like it built, and it was just, and then you just, I mean, your presence on that project because I knew who you who you were. Obviously, I mean, I knew your songs, yeah. but I didn't know you like I didn't know you as a singer until I heard that album. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then just even, you know, like, can you stand rain? You know, you're not my kind of girl. Like, all, you had moments. Like, you would, your voice stood out. Like, if you could ever go back and listen to the N.E.R. Break album, you'll hear, oh, you know. Mm. And then you guys tore, and it was just like 88, 89. That was just must have been a massive time for you because that, being on tour with New Edition, having such an epic album like that, Bobby was doing his thing with Don't yeah. Be Cruel. Yeah, I mean, you all were all on tour together. What was that moment like for you as an artist? Man, let me tell you, it was surreal. Another moment, time, because that was the first time I'd been on a huge stage every night in front of thousands of people uh, and singing and doing choreography, learning all of that stuff. Never, that was completely out of my, out, out of my lane. And it was a challenge that I was ready to take on, but I was just like, Ooh, this is going this is different but it was a good uh different yeah. like yeah. um even the level of fear didn't have level of fear more so than i had a level of uh, uh of a desire to 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 meet that challenge um and to and, and figure out how to make it work but it was uh it was interesting it was interesting just the whole process of the rehearsals uh things that i've never done in my all my life you know uh getting prepared for it so uh, but once we got there and got through those few nights of doing it and I got com- really comfortable with it, I was just like, man, this is surreal. <laughs> so how did you get past the dancing part? Because if it isn't love, you know, like that at the beginning, like that, that was, a, you know, pretty amazing moment for the group. What did you do to get prepared to just for the dancing part of it? Brooke made us run through that over and over and over and over again. And of course, I'm the new one. So the repetitions for me was just nonstop. And uh, ultimately, I got comfortable with singing and dancing and knowing where my parts come in and what I'm supposed to be doing to stay in sync with the guys. So it was uh, a moment, a a challenging moment for me. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I was up for the challenge. And it was so funny because... My brothers even said I, they saw a side of me that they'd never seen and was like, wow, is that my brother? That was a pretty big moment for black culture. You can go back to sort of, you know, Jackson 5 era to, you know, moments in history for black culture. That was a moment in history for black culture. That that year, the impact that you all had, which then leads to you going to Motown and releasing Johnny Gill in 1990, which is a massive solo album. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, you, you you may have taken a back seat, like you said, or they may have thrown you parts, but did it not pay off in that solo album? Absolutely. And that was actually part of the plan. Gerald Busby said to me, I feel that this would be a great 
opportunity. They already a boy band that's is established. The exposure you're gonna get will then set you up for your album. Because even joining the group, I still had uh, uh, obligations to to MCA. Then when Gerald moved over to, from MCA to Motown, they he said uh, the one artist I'm taking with me is Johnny. So I still had to do the I did the new edition stuff, but I still had that. Uh, obligation to, to fulfill as well. So for me, I never felt like I needed to be out front, never felt like it was about me. And I've always felt like, I don't know whether this is being arrogant or cocky, but it's not. It's just coming from an honest place that I always felt like when I wanted to get mine, I can get mine. So I never felt like I need everybody to look at me. You know, I was like, you know, one of those people that I knew I had uh, in the, the back that was still waiting for me, the opportunity as a solo artist to allow me to express myself artistically. So I was never in a place where it's like, I need to be out front. I remember the guys used to be fighting to figure out who's going to be in front and pitching position. I was always, if you ever notice, you'll see me always in the back. And I never felt like it was, hey, look at me. I never had the, and, and I wish I'd sometimes had that desire where it's like i want to be the center of attraction but i just was never that guy i was always secure with what i do and i know once i put the mic in my hand i'm like i'll go to battle with anybody not because it was about feeling that i'm greater than anyone but i i was secure with what i do and knew what i was capable of doing so i never looked at it as i need the attention so then this album comes out and you got I mean, it's double platinum. You're dealing with L.A. Reed, L.A. and Babyface, and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis again, yeah. bro. You just yeah. lucked into like <laughs> just, just the producer. I, mean, I, I was trying to look back in history of an artist that moved around with so many different great, amazing producers their entire career. But you know, you're 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 up there. So then let's yeah. talk about the solo album, Johnny Gill, man. So I mean, we all know my my my, which is like you know timeless. I mean, bro, you long past when you're gone, people are going to be singing that song. They're going to be singing that song a thousand years from now. Talk yeah. a little bit about that project, that song, and some of the other uh, songs on that album. Well, having, first of all, just having Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on one album, and that was the first time that they ever worked together. They did one side, and, and Terry, uh, Jimmy and Terry did one side, and Ellen Face did the other side. That was the first time that that had, had ever happened. And you know who I had to thank for that? Because at the time he was my manager and my my he was everything there. That's Clarence Avant, and he he had all of us basically myself and Jimmy and Terry and Ellie and Babyface, and he was the mastermind behind putting all that together. Yeah. So then, like you know, Fairweather Friend, Wrap My Body Tight. Like, how did you feel in that moment after coming off such a big new edition album, then to have your own album be just as big as any heartbreak? That must have been like for someone who had you had only been in the business at that point, like seven, eight years. Like it wasn't like you've been there a yeah, long yeah. time. How did you manage that? You know, the thing about being in the moment is you don't even realize what's really taking place. You're just in it. And when you're a kid, you have no fear. Think about when the fact that when you're born and we are uh, and a kid, we come with no fear. Our parents are the ones saying, hey, slow down before you fall. Yeah, yeah. You're going to yeah. hurt yourself. Yeah. You don't even realize it because you're just going. And to me, when I look at being in that business at that age, at that stage of my life, I was just in the moment having fun. I was feeling some level of pressure to some degree, a little bit with the uh, with the solo album going, okay, we got to make sure it's right. I told Jimmy, <laughs> I told Terry Lewis, <laughs> we pretty much completed the album. The very last song we did was Lady Du Jour. And I looked at him oh, and man. I said, do you think we've got enough? And he said, Negro, get out of here. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that 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 project changed that changed your life. It did. It did. Yeah. And I had so much fun doing it because I was around Jimmy and Terry every day. And we was just and I just, you know, first, like I said, to be in their presence, their presence was just amazing to me, first and foremost. And then L.A. and Babyface, who I enjoyed. We used to have so much fun. I used to listen to L.A. and Kitty just telling me all of the stories about their poor days of the band trying to scraggle and trying to make it and try and traveling and trying to scrum money together for eating. We used to have and so many freaking funny conversations and stuff about life and the, the road everybody traveled. It was just it was a time where I tell you I'll always cherish. So before we wrap up, man, um, and again, thank you for taking the time. And, and we're, we're speaking to Johnny Gill here on the Backstory Podcast. So you end up making all this great music and then you do LSG with Keith Sweat and the late Gerald Levert. And then you, uh, you know, put out this one's for me and you. Like maybe that was like seven, eight years. And respond. Maybe yeah, game years changed ago. one album. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was an, another massive record. And, and again, yeah. 25 years passed when you started. You know, yeah. what's the secret to your success? Trying to stay true to who I am, try to keep my mind open and understand that as you consider to be OG, an OG in this business, that you don't have to necessarily be old. And I think a part of being OG, sometimes you can be you can be penalized for it more so than you can be celebrated. But for me, keeping my mind open, listening to music that has nothing to do with my era, being open to trying to figure out what it is that people are connecting with and how can I in insert that into what I do do without losing the integrity of who I am. So I'm never, and that's the reason why I do different groups. That's why I do myself solo stuff because I never wanted to be typecast. I always wanted to be able to say, when you look at my journey, when you look at my history and uh, my track record that I've done it all because that's what I wanted to do. Not because that's who I had to be because of what people wanted me to be. So unless when you get to that point, that can make you feel uh, and can take you down a whole different road. But when you can stay and have the opportunity to be able to, from an artistic standpoint, as an artist, to express yourself and try different things and go for what works or feels good to you. I'm OK with that. When lose or draw, let the chips fall where they may. I'm OK. Yeah. And what was it just like uh, on that new edition tour last year? The one where you all just kind of came back together and it was probably the biggest, one of the biggest new edition tours ever. What was that like all these years later? It was a reminder that God is real. It was a reminder for all of us to understand as much butting heads as we did over the years as siblings. The greatest gift God gave us, the most success we ever had was when we came together as brothers. It was from the beginning to the end of the tour we looked at each other and I never thought I'd ever see the day where all six of us are looking at each other going, man, I hate that. I'm, I'm gonna miss you. <laughs> I'm gonna miss y'all. Like we were at that point, every day it was nothing but laughter. Every day we was coming in, going to work, focus on what we need to do, but still having a good time doing it. And God allowed that to happen and showed us once you come together and once we stand together on the same page, just when you think you've seen and we've had some great success, this is a great, what better time than now at this stage of our lives that you could be that successful and yet be able to be in a place where you can, you have a great appreciation for it today more than ever. Because when you're younger, you're just going. When you get older, you start walking a little slower and smelling the roses and starting to appreciate the trees and the things around you. So God still allowed us the opportunity at this stage of our lives to still be able to do this. And just when you think you've seen it all, giving it to us on a higher level than we've ever had. 
Wow. And you tell us about your current project. So you got the new music coming now. For many years, I've recorded one Christmas song, which was Give Love on Christmas Day. And I said, God, I have got to do a whole album at some point or get some more out there for people to play to hear, you know, during Christmas because I never had never done it. So I started working on this project called uh, a Christmas project, just never completed the album. But the song Bad Santa, which was a song that was we had recorded and someone was saying that they had played it for a friend of theirs that was doing a movie. And he asked, man, can I put that in the movie? We would like to get it, put it in the movie. So I, was, I said, eh, it's not done yet. He says, trust me, it's done. I, I'm going to go in and, you know, compile everything and allow, allow you to see and give me the, uh, the, the, the okay on it. So we did that. And I, I said, yeah, it's a great song. And then I started hearing everyone else go, yeah, this song is funny, fun. And it's a it's a bit of a departure from for you, but it's still a it's Johnny Gill singing his butt off and doing it what Johnny Gill does best. So I said, okay, well, I mean, it's at least we have another song now for the holidays every year. Yeah, give love is the time. Your version of that is timeless as well. Yeah, well, and I don't Johnny, think I'll ever be able to top that. <laughs> nah, nah, it's good. Listen, it's good to have those timeless <laughs> songs that just last. Yeah forever and you can just sit back man listen yeah. i appreciate you taking the time to be on the backstory podcast thanks for having me man this is great great talking to you great seeing you yeah. man and thank yes, you for sir. sharing stories about your life and your career thanks for having me awesome coming up on the next backstory podcast it's been 26 years since we lost the late great notorious big we celebrate his life i'll tell his story Plus, you'll hear from the man that discovered him, Mr. C, and his mother, Valletta Wallace. What he did, he did out on the street, he hid it. I found out a lot of things about my son after he passed away and when he became a rapper. Through his rhymes? Through his rhymes, and not only through his rhymes, but some of the stories. I asked him about the stories. And he would say, Mom, I just want to sell some records now. Just relax, just cool, just remember, don't read. Because what I'm doing right now is not for anyone over 35 years of age. <laughs> the Backstory Podcast with Colby Cole is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media Pod is Good production, hosted and executive produced by yours truly, Colby Cole, edited by Donkus. Follow us on Twitter at BackstoryPCC, on Instagram, Get the Backstory. Senior Director of Podcast Operations, Sierra Reed. For sales and corporate partnerships, Josh Romani and Michelle Marino. Digital Marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Smith, and Tim Hall. Thanks again for listening to the Backstory Podcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.